Hi, everyone. I'm Shannon Hernandez, the Writing Whisperer. I am so glad you could join myself and my guest, Jules Taggart, uh, for our call today and the branding series I've been putting on for the last few months. I just want to tell you a little bit about myself in case you're, you're new to my community. Uh, I formed my business only a year, 19 months ago, actually, um, and I fast-tracked my way out of public education. I left uh, quickly. I you know, left respectfully, but I needed to get out of there, and I have since written a memoir about why I left the world of public education and do some education activism on the side of the writing whisperer. But the Writing Whisper is all about content and content strategy to help you grow your business and how to brand yourself as an expert through content. And it's something I'm super passionate about. And so I woke up one morning and I said to myself, well, Shannon, why don't you also get some other experts on here and all of our audiences can learn from each other because I believe in uh, collaboration, not competition. And so I launched this branding series and we've just had some really amazing uh, you know, experts in their fields on here. And I reached out to Jules and I said, listen, you are like the woman of knowing when to pivot and how to handle a brand relaunch. And will you please come and we can do a kind of joint interview together and get our audiences to mingle a little and, and get to know one another and, and learn more about branding because it is a big topic. And, you know, I only deal with one little piece of branding, branding yourself through content. And so uh, she graciously said yes, and here we are. Jules, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is an honor. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I just am going to take a minute and introduce you to our guests, and then we're going to get started. How's that sound? Perfect. Good. So Jules Tagger is our guest this month, and she's the founder of Amp and Pivot. It's a content marketing agency, and she works with women entrepreneurs to help them grow their personal brand and get the attention they deserve online. Amp and Pivot was named one of the top 100 websites for writers by The Right Life, and Jules has also been featured as a content marketing expert on many leading podcasts and websites. So if you've been thinking about a brand relaunch or a pivot in your brand, you're in the right place today. If you're not even sure what that means and you're, you were intrigued by it and you thought, well, maybe this is something that I need, you're also in the right place today. So Jules, would you like to add anything um, to that? Wonderful intro there. <laughs> it was a wonderful intro. Thank you. Um, I'm just very excited to be here. And like you said, I mean, I think there's so much power in collaboration. And so um, it's really an honor to be speaking with you because you are such an expert in this area as well. Thank you. All right. So we're going to get started. Um, we're talking today about knowing when to pivot, and how to handle a brand relaunch. And Jules, what I was hoping is could you tell us a little bit about how you came to be passionate about this topic and talking about it and teaching it to others? Sure. Um, so I kind of learned the hard way. I learned uh, about brand relaunching and pivoting and making changes in your business through some painful trial and error with my very first business. I owned a um, – it was similar to what I do now. I owned a marketing agency, um, but it was very focused on social media. And the name of my business had the word social media in the business name. So as my, my have shifted and my services shifted a little bit, I offered a little bit less social media services and more on the content strategy and like ghost blogging, that kind of work. 
um, as I made that shift, I still had social media in the name of my business. And so I would still get all these referrals, which were very appreciated, but it wasn't the kind of work I wanted to do anymore. So I was starting to think about, oh, how do I do this? <laughs> um, do I need to completely redo my business? Do I change just the name? You know, what do I need to do? And so that process was a lot of trial and error. It was the first time I'd ever made a shift like that, and I was really um, not super confident about it just because it, I didn't want it to look like I had failed. And so, um, yes, that's, that's how I first became passionate about it. Okay, good. And I think it's something that we all face, and we're going to – talk about that more in depth, but as our businesses grow, things shift and things change. And I refer to this in my, you know, community as brand evolution. And one of the things I, I think is, is really key is that if your brand isn't evolving, then maybe it should be, right? If we're not seeing a brand evolution over time, and that could be small shifts. It doesn't have to be this huge, you know, undertaking of a brand new website and a whole new name but it can be little small shifts that are making things more clear to your audience or you've kind of attracted a new audience and now you're going to serve them better with the content and the services you offer. So um, I am with you. I was scared. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lose all these people or they're going to think, like, what is she doing now? But you know what? It was seamless, and I felt that the more honest I was, and I just sent a newsletter, I said, listen, here's what's happened, and this is where we're going. And people jumped on board. I got a lot yep. of support from that. So, Yeah, it's but, always surprising. It shouldn't be, but it's always surprising how people are like, okay, great. Where are we going next? <laughs> you know, we're coming with you. So, yeah. yeah. Good. Um, so what do you think a successful brand launch, uh, relaunch looks and feels like when a business owner finishes up with one. So just kind of an overview here to give our audience some context before we get started. Yeah, so I think what it feels like, because I think that's the most important thing, is it feels a lot easier. So when by the time you're done with your brand relaunch, you know, that it, there is work involved in that, and we'll probably get into that later. But um, But when you're done with it, your business should flow better. It should feel more... Um, fluid. It should feel easier, and you should wake up and feel excited about your business again. And I think that's one thing that when you're really struggling with your brand, it's hard to get excited about it. And I think the best example I can give you is um, I, I'm a runner, and I've run half marathons, marathons. I even ran an ultra at one point. But the hardest race I ever ran <laughs> was a 5K, and it was on the sand. I live in San Diego, so there was a 5K, which is like three miles, and it was on the sand. And I was thinking, you know, imagining Baywatch-style running down the beach, you know, in the past sand. <laughs> oh, no. This was the loose sand. You know, it was the really heavy stuff. And so this 5K just completely wore me out. And it was because I was doing everything the hard way. I mean, I was running through this loose sand. It was heavy. My feet were dragging. And, you know, going back and running on the boardwalk after that was like nothing. And I think it was because, you know, the difference of, my foundation, right? And so going and um, totally revamping your brand is a lot of work. I'm not going to tell you that it's not. When you're done, it's going to feel easier. You're going to be able to breathe, you know, sigh of relief and just know that you're on the right track and that people are attracted to you in a way that you want to attract them. That's awesome. That is such a great definition. Uh, I do want to ask you one thing, though, because, you know, I work with clients as well who are going to go through a brand shift or evolution or rebrand or a pivot, whatever we want to call it, um, and they're scared, right? They, they, 
they're scared mainly of quote unquote starting over. And I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. Um, starting over sometimes means uh, building a new list because you've completely started over and you're really starting from scratch. So, what do you, um, you know, what kind of advice do you have for? for business owners who are scared to start over and scared of a, a relaunch? I think um, relaunch doesn't always mean starting over. And like you said earlier, you know, it's, sometimes it's just little tweaks that you're making that make a huge difference. And so it doesn't necessarily mean starting over. Now, it could mean starting over. I mean, then that, yes, is scary. Um, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. And there's this great quote, and I'm forgetting who it's by. <laughs> so great that I'm forgetting who it's by, but I'll try to find it for you. Um, but it says, if you're going to ask yourself life's changing questions, be sure to do something with the answers. And I think the same is mm-hmm. true with your business. If you're going to ask yourself questions about, you know, what if I tried offering a new service? What if I changed my niche? You know, we've, if you are going to ask yourself those big questions, be conscious of the fact that you're going to have to do something with the answers if you want a change. And so starting over doesn't necessarily have to mean starting over from scratch. You can be just building on what you already have, or you can be making some small Or in some cases, you may need to completely start over, but it doesn't have to be that scary. Okay, good. So one of the phrases that you talk about, and actually your company is named after this phrase, is the phrase AMP and pivot. Can you tell us a little bit about what this means in terms of our businesses? Yeah, sure. So um, when I transitioned from that first business I was telling you about, and I expanded my services, and and I now do a lot more um, content marketing strategy, I was really thinking about why people came to me, because I knew I needed a new business name. My business, you know, had the word social media in it, so I knew I needed to drop that and um, rebrand myself, including the name. And I was thinking about why people come to me. I think it's twofold. They either want more traffic, attention, eyeballs, whatever, um, on their site, and that's the AMP part of AMP and Pivot, or they want to make a significant shift in their marketing strategy and the way they approach their clients and the way they attract potential clients, and that's the Pivot part. Um, so the name kind of came together from, you know, based on why people come to me. But I think you know, 99% of the time that you go hand in hand. If you want more eyeballs on your site, you have to be willing to make a change in the way you're getting in front of people and the stories you're telling them um, because the same work is not going to produce different results. Um, and I think that's, you know, how, how your listeners can, can apply that. Great. So if we uh, – what kind of triggers? You know, because I talk to a lot of people too, and they're like, "Well, I don't know if I should do a rebrand, or if I'm just talking to the wrong people, or I should change my website copy." I mean, there's a million things that could go in here. Um, I know one of them you said, and I think it's so important to everyone listening, is this idea of you have to be excited every day when you wake up. Like, <laughs> you are not excited about your business and what's going on and what's coming up and what you're going to build. I think that's a big, big trigger. Would you agree? Oh, completely. Yes. I would say that is one of the biggest ones. (laughs) Okay. What are some of the other ones that might, you know, clue people into needing to do a little work on a rebrand? Well, I usually ask my clients to think about it in terms of how they measure success, and that's different for everyone. So I guess I'll give you an example just of, of my measures of success. Um, for me, my top three metrics are influence, 
profitability and revenue. So, and not they are in that order. So, you know, revenue is obviously up there, but it's not the most important um, trigger for me. And I look at these and say, am I do I feel successful in these three areas? So, um, you know, once you know your top three, see how you're doing in each one of those areas. So I look at maybe the opportunities I have to influence others, both in my industry and within client relationships. And I do this through keynote speaking, guest blogging, you know, podcast interviews. Like this. Then I look at flexibility. And you know, I just recently started taking off Fridays. I have a baby. She's a month old. And mm-hmm. I want to spend more time with her. But I also love my business. And so she goes to daycare Monday through Thursday. And on Friday, I take the day off. And she, takes, you know, she stays with me, and we have time together. And so you know, that flexibility is a huge success metric for me. Do I have the type of clients? That decision? Do I have, you know, systems in place, a team in place that allows me to do to do that and to take that time? If I do, then I that I'm successful. If I don't, then I'm not. And then the last piece is just revenue. You know, am I earning what I want to earn? And is there room for growth, or you know, have I tapped my earning potential? And if your answer to any one of these questions is no, and your metrics could be different. You know, maybe for you it's thought leadership, or maybe for you it's um, you know. Revenue and that's a really important thing to you. But when you figure out what your success metrics are, decide how, how successful you in those areas. And this can be just a gut check. It can be, you know, I feel successful, yes or no. But it also can be you can look at metrics. You can look at traffic to your site. You can look at dollars in your bank account. You can ask your um, colleagues to – you can ask some of your clients to give you feedback. There are a ton of different ways to, to define your success. But if you feel unsuccessful in one of these areas or you find through metrics that it's not, you know, being, it's not successful, then it might be time to take a look at a rebrand. You know what? That's really important is this idea of measuring how you feel successful. And so many people, I think, it's always the revenue, right? But there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for the revenue. And for you, it's influence and being an influencer with your clients and going to presentations and and giving keynotes and the flexibility. And I think it's great to keep in mind that revenue doesn't always have to be the number one metric. There should be, you know, my father used to say, I don't remember the saying, uh, oh, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Make sure that when you're measuring your success, you have things like the flexibility. Yes, it's a business principle, but it's also a lifestyle choice, right? You want to spend more time with your daughter during the week. And so Friday's right. the day. And um, I think that's really important. That's, that's great that you have a few things you're measuring and not just one. Right. Good. Okay. So let's say we're all here and we've all decided, yes, we're going for a rebrand. <laughs> like, this is it. We're going <laughs> to amp. We're going to pivot. We're going to do it. So do we just, like, shut our website down and change everything at once? Or is there a better process that we should just really think through this? Definitely a better process. I think it depends on um, for you. Like for me, I think shutting my website down doesn't work because it's my only source of income, right? So if you have a job and you have a business and you maybe want to, you know, take a break from the business for a little while to rebrand it and you know your time is limited, then maybe that is the way you do it. But I'll give you an example based on if your business is your, you know, main source of income and you need it to keep running well you are rebranding on the side. Um, before you start anything, I would say, you know, like I was saying before, figure out what that real problem is before you make any changes. So this is 
probably a little bit more than just going with your gut. This is where you really do want to look at metrics, ask your clients, ask the people you know, in your circle of influence for some candid feedback on how they feel about your business, and especially be sure to ask your clients. I know this is a weird one because you're like, oh, I don't want my clients to know that I'm not you know, confident in my services or whatever or my, in my brand, but they know better than anyone else. And so maybe find a couple of clients that you've worked really closely with um, and ask them specifically. But figuring out what the problem is before you start making changes is super important because once you start making changes, people are interested, right? They want to know the yeah. story. Why? <laughs> they want, uh, you know, at that point you really need to know your message and be able to share your message pretty succinctly to tell them, here's what I'm, you know, here's where I was, here's where I'm going, and here why I'm making the change. And if you can't say that, you know, if you if you aren't really with that message, you start to look a little bit uh, unorganized and maybe like they don't necessarily deserve your trust anymore, um, or you don't deserve their trust anymore, which isn't necessarily the case. But you kind of have to get your ducks in a row before you make any announcements. But I do think that being really transparent is use this as an opportunity to, to kind of talk about yourself and your brand with your audience. People love seeing you know, a glimpse behind the curtain of your business, and they know that, especially this is true if they know that changes are going to impact them in a positive way. So if they know that you're making changes in a way that's going to make, help them or teach them something or serve them better, they are super interested. And being able to see the behind-the-scenes look of that is just a, a big piece of it. They want to know why and how shows that you're listening to them. So I would say that's the second piece of the process. And if you are, you know, your, your sole income while you're um, working on a rebrand maybe on the side, so you don't want to shut down your website, I usually treat a rebrand like a client. So if you spend, let's say, five hours a week on any particular client, treat your rebrand. Take on your rebrand like you would take on a client and spend time, you know, chunks of time just like you would normally. You don't want to just shut everything down and, and do it all at once because then you aren't serving your current clients and you're not bringing in new clients. Um, but you do want to move along fairly quickly. And so treating it like a client and, and just taking a chunk out of your day that way is helpful. And okay, good. And this super early um, in our conversation, but don't necessarily feel like you have to change everything at once. That's It's... Little small changes build momentum, and momentum builds over time, and you don't have to change everything at once. Right now, you're just changing your niche, which you know is going is to trickle down to everything else. Your services are going to be different. Your copy on your website is going to be different. You know, that changing your niche changes a lot of things, but you don't have to do it all today. I think you can space it out over time and do a logical sequence. Okay, great. And you're cutting out just a little. It's in and out, so I'm not sure if you're moving around or your mic's being a little wacky, but sometimes we hear you really great, and sometimes you're a little distant. So just I talk to with my you. hands, so maybe I'm hitting my <laughs> mic. I'm sorry about that. I'll try to be less uh, talky with the hands. <laughs> okay, that's good. Right now, whatever you're doing is good. Um, okay, good. So I want to just share with everyone um, – a little story about a rebrand. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a rebrand in <laughs> Writing Whisperer land, and it happened 
rather fast. And so, but I actually want to back up a little. So what a lot of people don't know about me is I had a stationary business before I actually launched the Writing Whisperer. And stationary business was called Sage and Time Designs. It was his own brand. I got really big in the wedding industry really fast through the power of Twitter and doing a couple of photo shoot type projects. And I was making all this handmade stationery. But what I realized in the process was one, as my husband says, I was running a little sweatshop in my own house. Because <laughs> when you have to make um, 400 seven-layer pieces of uh, wedding invitations with bows, it's really time-consuming. Um, so <clears throat> I had to close down that business. But I had built some amazing connections. And what I realized through the process of working in the stationary business was I really loved um, constructing the words and getting the words right for the invitations for the married couples that were like, you know, the. I, it doesn't matter. Like a lot of people have these situations where the words have to be right on the invitation, and that that's when I fell in love kind of with words. And so um, I had to close this business down, and I had worked so hard, like a year and a half, to build my list and like make a name for myself in the wedding industry, and I was like, wow, I really have to start from scratch because I was not rebranding. I was like doing something completely different. And so one of the ways I navigated this process was I finished all the projects in the stationary world, and then I started emailing my list and telling this story, the exact same story that I'm telling you. And people got behind that story. They're like, wow, I can't imagine you making uh, 400 seven-layer wedding invitations, you know, in like two weeks or whatever. <laughs> um, and so they got behind it, and a lot of them, when the time was right, and I was, you know, I was transparent through the whole process, and I said, would you like to join me over on the Writing Whisper? A lot of them transferred over, and I have done website copy now for many of those wedding professionals that I was actually doing stationary for their clients. So it was a beautiful thing to be able to take some of those people, even with a, you know, completely different niche and business model. Um, and then I launched the Writing Whisper. I started calling myself a writing coach, but it didn't fall right. I didn't know enough. It didn't fall right. Um, writing coach to a lot of people meant writing books. And while now I do offer memoir coaching uh, because I have a memoir out and it's something that I feel comfortable doing now. When I first came out, writing coach was really not the right word for what I was doing. I was doing blogging and content strategy and copywriting. And so within a few months, I realized rather quickly that people weren't getting it because I was asking them, just like Jules said, please ask your clients like what they think of the wording or the service or whatever. People were like, I don't need a writing coach you know, as a business owner, I need somebody that will help me with the content or plan the strategy or whatever. So once again, I relaunched for real this time, um, rebranded and relaunched. And the services that came out uh, towards the end of the beginning of this year, I'd say I did that in January, February, it has been a game changer in my business. Absolute game changer. The The you know, it's sticking. The words are sticking. Yeah. The people are getting it. They understand what's happening. And um, I wasn't as scared the second time because the first time I really did have to start completely over with a whole new business. Yeah, so you've kind of done it both ways. I mean, I think people listening to this are, are in one of those situations. They either need to make a, a little shift, and like you did with your um, writing coaching to the writing whisperer and your services now, 
or they need to make a really big shift, <laughs> like you did when you went from patients to the right whisperer. And you can do it either way, and it's so smart that you say how you've connected with your past clients and invited them to, you know, become clients or at least followers of your work um, in your new offer. Okay, good. All right, so we're going to do a relaunch. We've made the shift. We've decided what is staying and going, and we know what to say to our audience. All right, we're in a good place now. We've got it all figured out. Now, what things should we keep in mind as we relaunch our brand, like your top things? I would say, and this is a little bit conflicting, so, and I, under, I realize that going into it, but I would say treat it like a brand-new business and don't treat it like a brand-new so when you're going into a brand relaunch, um, all the things that you did when you launched your first brand, you probably got feedback from potential clients. Spent some time thinking about your niche. You spent some time developing your services. You want to do all of those things again. Even though it's not a new business and you're just making a shift, you want to spend time doing those things because those are the foundation, foundational things that everything else is built on. And then on the flip side of that, don't necessarily treat it like a new business. You learned a ton from whatever you were doing before, and you know you realized you needed to make a shift based on whatever you, whatever feedback you already have, the metrics you've already looked at. So take that knowledge and apply it. Um, don't blindly go into your your brand relaunch and just treat it completely like a new business because it's not one. You have a lot of experience under your belt at this point. And then the third thing I think we just keep coming back to this is be really transparent. Um, transparency is something that your audience is going to appreciate. It will get you more attention, and it builds momentum as you're trying to get closer and closer to the actual launch date, whatever that is. Okay, good. So um, just two questions that came from this. Uh, what are some ways we can be transparent, right? So I know that we can communicate with our newsletter, maybe do some behind-the-scenes you know, I, I really like those posts, and I think people really like to read them on the blogs, like behind the scenes of what made you change what. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any other strategies for, you know, telling the story? That I call this your brand story, your evolution. Yeah, and I think it's, it doesn't just happen right uh, at the relaunch time. I was listening to a podcast recently, and they were talking about relaunching, or maybe they were talking about launching in general. But they were likening it to an iceberg. So if you're on if you're on a boat and you're you know looking at the water, you see the tip of the iceberg. And to most people, that's what a launch looks like. It's that big spike in activity, and you know the downward downward spike too when you're kind of done with the big activity around your relaunch. But what most people get wrong is they don't pay attention to all the ice underneath the water, and often that goes down you know a mile or two miles. Um, underneath the water, and that's the long-term strategy for your launch. Um, and those are the things that you're doing day in, day out. So as an example, I'm working on a relaunch with a client right now, and we're starting their project on January 1st. And from January 1st through March 1st, which is when they're relaunching their site, we are going to be transparent about the process, like you said, with blogging, podcasting, guest posting, um, reaching out to their current clients, getting in front of their new clients because they're kind of changing their niche. And all of this is happening while they're, they haven't even launched their, you know, they haven't even relaunched yet. So the relaunch officially happens in March. And then they're spending the rest of 2015, so nine more months, finishing their launch. 
they're considering it a full year of activity. And so they have things that they're doing every single month to get in front of those best customers and to kind of establish their credibility in this new niche because they are trying to reach different people. And I think looking at it from a long-term perspective instead of, you know, you're going to launch today and you're going to do a lot of stuff for the next two or three weeks, um, looking at it long-term is going to be really key if you actually do want to make a big change. It, it takes some time to become something new in the minds of your customers. I'm quoting you on that. I need to write that down. It takes some time to become something new in the minds of your customers. That, it's brilliant. And a lot of people forget this, right, that we think everyone's on board with us, even if we're communicating it, but still people need time to process stuff. It's just how we learn, right? Um, I like that you gave a little timeline here because I face this a lot, too, with content marketing is a long-term strategy. And I think that's one of the biggest things uh, my clients struggle with. You know, I just had a coaching call actually before this call, and she said, but I don't see a, a return on all this content I'm writing. And um, she's only been with me for a few months. <laughs> okay, so right. in her mind, and rightfully so, and I told her, wow, you, you have done so much more in the last three months with all of your content and getting the word out there and really like, you know, now we're going to start talking about outside sources to blog and guest blog. But really, you've only just hit the tip of the iceberg on this. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're just getting started. And so right. I think that's really important for people to remember for a relaunch um, and a rebrand as well. I mean, you just said you're working with a client for three months just to get ready, and then the whole rest of the year next year is nothing but exposure. Right. Yep, Exactly. Brilliant. Okay. Um, I would like to know if, um, well, there's one final piece of this rebranding that everyone, everyone, anywhere, anyone who's anyone and everyone who's everyone wants to know. And so we've done all this hard work with the rebrand, and now how do we go out there and establish ourselves as the go-to person in our niche? This is a this is like the golden nugget of the whole interview, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is, and I think we've actually touched on it a little bit already. It is looking at it long term. So you have to do the thing, the right things leading up to your brand relaunch and spending time being transparent about it in advance before you actually make a change so people are kind of expecting it and they feel part of it. And then you make the change and you spend, you know, in the example I was giving you with my client, another three times as long, four times as long, establishing credibility and really sinking into that new role. And so that people, like when I say, what is, or someone says, what does Shannon do? I say, well, Shannon's the writing whisperer. She helps with content marketing strategy for entrepreneurs. And people know exactly what you do right off the bat, and they can quickly and easily tell it to other people. That takes time. And I think um, you just have to be really strategic about getting in front of the right people over and over and over again. It reminds me of, you ever go on like, um, Zappos is a good example. I'll go on Zappos, I'll be shopping for shoes, and I don't buy anything, and then I'm you know, on Google or Sithorus.com or something later, and I see the image of those shoes in the right sidebar, <laughs> and I'm freaky. like, oh my God, there they are again. <laughs> I mean, it's a retargeting campaign, right? Like I, yeah. I get that there's, there's, <laughs> there's science behind it. You don't necessarily the buy, you don't necessarily buy the first time you go to a website, you need to see it over and over and over again. And I can't remember what the concept is called, but it's basically like after a while you start thinking that you're the one that's 
seeing it everywhere, it, like it's your choice to see it everywhere. And then you're like, right. well, maybe I do need these shoes. And I think that's what you need to do long term. You just need to be in front of your best clients over and over and over again um, until they see you in their own way. They make the choice that this is the person I want to work with. My gosh, she's everywhere. <laughs> so Yes. Good. And I think what I'd like to do for the people who signed up for the call, I will send this out in the next week or so, is I have a um, PDF, and it's called 20 Ways to Brand Yourself as an Expert Through Content, you know, using content to brand yourself. And I think it would be a great um, little gift for everyone to use and a resource because, you know, not only is it getting in front of your right clients, but also, as you said, one of your uh, metrics of measurement was influence, you know. So how are you using content to um, you know, this is a great example. We've got two people passionate about branding doing an interview together. We'll both have the interview, be able to use it on our blogs, be able to send it to our list, whatever. So there's lots of ways that you can build yourself as an industry expert. Completely. That PDF sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure you get it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, I think my biggest takeaway today is that you have to give yourself time, really. And, you know, one thing I always say to entrepreneurs, and it's probably just humans in general, is we want stuff now. And right. we also don't realize, I mean, in our minds, we think we can do a billion things, which you can, but you can't always do a billion things well at one time. And right. a rebrand needs to be done right. And it needs to be, you know, you need to give yourself time to fall into the new role, to get people on board, to communicate to your audience. So I think the iceberg analogy and the, the time frame was was great. That's my biggest takeaway from today. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, now you talked about one client you've been working with. Is there any other um, another project that you could highlight that you're super excited about? Yeah, I'm working on a project with a client right now, um, and they are totally re redoing their website. So they've had a website for a long time. And it's just really exciting to see, you know, as we, we're adding content a little by little instead of completely revamping it all at once because their website is, um, they have a, a shopping cart and it's, you know, active users buying stuff all the time. And so they don't want to change too much because people are going to certain places and finding things. Um, so we're doing it little by little. And it's really exciting to see, you know, when you write a call to action in a certain way and you do some A-B testing, it's exciting to see, oh, my gosh, this one works better than this one. Um, mm-hmm. and to start seeing the, the progress that they're making really quickly. So um, that's probably one of my favorite projects I'm working on at the moment. That's great. Well, this has just been such a great interview, Jules, and thank you for teaching us about shifts, rebrands, relaunches, and becoming an expert in our industries. Um, I'm so happy you could join us. And I just want to ask you, do you have any upcoming um, programs or you know, products or anything that we could become yeah. a part of. We're excited yeah, about Yeah, I do. I am, um, in January, I'll be launching a Facebook group for bloggers. It's called Blog Food, and it's free. And it's just a community where bloggers can come together and a combination of, you know, sharing tips with each other. It's very community content driven. So um, I'm not necessarily the expert here. All the bloggers that come are the experts. Um, and so learn from other bloggers, and you'll also have a chance to share your work. So as you're blogging and you're looking to have a wider audience read your work, um, there will be an opportunity to share your blog posts and get shares and retweets and all that stuff. So 
Um, it's coming January 2015, and if you want to sign up for it, it's free. Just go to ampandpivot.com slash blogfood. Amp and pivot, ampersand, right? <laughs> nope, just the word and. So oh, amp, amp and, and pivot. pivot. Yep, dot com slash blogfood. Blogfood, I love it. Great title, too. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, and where can people find you? Um, so we know your website. Where are you at on Twitter, Facebook, etc.? Yeah, on Facebook, it's uh, Amp and Pivot. On Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere else, it's Jules Taggart. Okay, good. Well, thank you, Jules, for spending time with us today and sharing your knowledge on knowing when to pivot and how to handle a brand relaunch. And I want to thank all of our listeners uh, please reach out to Jules and I via social media. We will respond. We connect with you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we, I will get the free gift out to you um, in the next week or so. And the next branding series is going to happen on November 20th. We're going to be talking about snack-sized social media content to propel your brand forward with Tanya Smith. So hope that you'll be on the lookout and you can join that. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time, I'm Shannon Hernandez, The Writing Whisperer.